If you enjoy listening to inspirational stories from people just like us, facing the fear and doing it anyway, then you're in the right place. My name is Claire Hill and this is the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. We're throwing back to an amazing episode with Natalie Bins, talking all about becoming conscious of fashion consumption. This really opened my eyes about how we dress, where we shop, but it's made me feel more confident in my choices when buying clothes and how, you know, my sort of my decision making process when I buy new things, instead of just potentially though, I buy most of my stuff on Vinted. I absolutely love it. Love the fact that I get to relive and give these new these pieces of clothes a new life. But Natalie has so much wisdom around this. And even if you've listened to this before, listen to it again, because there'll be new things that you pick up on. If you haven't already, I have my free guide, 10 Steps to Power Up Your Self-Belief. It's absolutely free and you can pick it up in the show notes below. And also, I'm going to remind you, and I really would appreciate it, subscribe and follow to this podcast you don't understand how important that sounds so negative then I'm going to start that again I really appreciate all of your support with this podcast because when you subscribe or follow it does amazing things and it helps me to keep the podcast going to give you all of this free wonderful value straight into your eardrums okay have an amazing week Good okay. morning, Natalie. How are Hi. you? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really, really good. Thank you so much for coming on today. Really, really appreciate it. Um, you are here because of our wonderful mutual friend, Rebecca. Um, like she likes to be called now. She did, you, you know, she, actually I call her Bex, but she wants to be a bit posher now and be called <laughs> a <proper> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Rebecca, yeah, Bex, yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's so lovely to have you. And I think that what you're going to bring to today's episode is something that we haven't really spoken about. I have spoken about it a little bit, but not in the same way that you're going to talk about it. So would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah, my name's Natalie. I'm a sustainable fashion consultant. Well, that's what I call myself. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm different things to different people, really. <laughs> um, I run a business that kind of helps people helps brands and businesses be more sustainable and I also help startups start sustainable businesses sustainable fashion brands um but also alongside that I do a bit of lecturing I've been on the radio talking about sustainability and I'm really into conscious consumption so I talk about that on social media social media quite a lot um yeah so I'm a kind of like sustainability passionate about sustainability and business that's probably the worst way of putting it I don't know no I love that I love that that you, it's like a, a multi-passionate sort of business but then it yeah I'm guessing your mission is just like be sustainable with yeah. this is our planet etc yeah my mission is yeah to, to make help people make more sustainable choices when it comes to fashion and so then I help brands be the conscious choice and I help um people make the conscious choice so how did it all start where did you begin the where does your story start I always like, what's the love story <laughs> of your business? well the crazy thing is that it actually started in fast fashion right. um so I worked as a buyer for about 15 years before I started my business um and I'd say maybe about 
10 years in was when I started to get really, really passionate about sustainability. Um, so yeah, I started out at ASOS actually. Um, wow, okay. Yeah, back in the day when fast fashion wasn't called fast fashion then. It was like we hadn't cottoned on that it was a really terrible thing and it mm. was like it was actually still like, oh yeah, it's amazing how quickly we can we can see trends on the on the catwalk and then you know put them in store and everyone was like, that's amazing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, was and, this back in the day with when ASOS was known as Ad Seen on Screen? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember my first purchase because Sarah Jessica Parker had these boots on and I saw them in a magazine and I was like, I've got to have them. And I went, oh yeah, that's that new website. Yeah. And then they had these boots like her boots. And they were like, that was yeah. my first purchase. I know, it's crazy. Back in the day, we used to do kind of like an, you know, as seen on this celebrity um, or what was it now, in the style of this celebrity. Yeah. So you were basically saying, you know, you've copied these boots or whatever it was. But I think <laughs> the reason we got away with it was because it was like, it, it wasn't that close, you know, it was actually, mm. you know, and, and a lot of times later on, when I first started working there, it was like, yeah, we've tried to do a version of whoever's dress. But later on, what actually happened was we realized that if it was in the style of a celebrity, it, it sold better. So right. what we used to do, we develop, you know, clothing, fashion, whatever, and then we'd go searching for a celebrity to match to what we designed. Oh, so we, really? Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's really good business. Yeah. That's not good for the planet, but yeah. No, no, but what it was, it was like, we've we've designed a red dress. Let's just find a celebrity in a red dress that's kind of similar to this. Oh, and wow. then that would help to boost the sales. But then, of course, you know, that kind of the idea of that died out because it became not cool to be copying what, you know, what anyone was doing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got rid of that part. So you were in ASOS, okay, as seen on screen. There's going to be some people going like, what? ASOS? Is that what ASOS stands Yeah, for? it used to be called. <laughs> I know. because I mean, when I first, not when I first worked there, it had switched to fashion only, really. But when it first came out, it was like you could watch Hollyoaks and there'd be a lava lamp in the back and you could buy that lava lamp. Like, that's yeah. what it was. And yeah. then it, it evolved into being fashion and then um we got a new director who was very very much about the fashion and we got rid of the celebrity part and just started focusing on true fashion I suppose <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah so you were working there and fast fashion do you, was there sort of like a a feeling of a, a like a, a little bit of a trend where it was going this it doesn't this isn't actually that good fast fashion yeah so when I first started in 2007 Zara was kind of getting really big and and what was say um, I remember being at uni and they were saying that Zara was amazing it was like a great benchmark for how fashion should be like they see the catwalk they redesign it into something for their stores and it's in stores in six weeks or something and it was like this is a brilliant model this is how business this is the business of the future kind of thing and I think ASOS was the only one that was doing it online at the time so it was kind of like um we were like the first of our kind and then maybe a couple of years in a few people started opening like boohoo um also primark was getting really big at that time as well mm -hmm. and then the focus switched from fashion to price and right. i feel like that's when the fast fashion model started to get really out of hand because rather than just being like oh we need to do this like amazing collection that's you know inspired by the catwalk we were like, oh, we actually have to do the cheapest collection that's inspired by the catwalk. 
and then and then it was kind of like with that it was like oh how cheap can we go and there were layers and layers and layers to our price points which meant that wow. the ranges were getting bigger and bigger right so okay. that's when I feel like then that the competition was getting greater because more and more online stores started opening because yeah. people realized that if you have an online store you don't have as many overheads so mm. um yeah so then as they started open as they started opening and thinking oh we have no overheads we can do things cheaper then the prices were getting driven down so by the time I left in 2012 I mean I always tell this story that I had a best-selling top that was 25 pounds and I got asked to do do it for 18 and then I got asked to do one for 15 and then by the time I left they were asking me to do the same type of thing for 12 pounds that's my bosses wow. were asking me for that and that was when I was like absolutely this is just going this is not what I signed up for you know I loved fashion and I loved the joy of fashion and before that it had been about yeah about fashion and trends and doing something new and exciting all the time yeah and it felt creative and it felt like that's what fashion is meant to be creative and even though it was affordable it wasn't about churning out loads of stuff cheaply and then the model just started to change as the competition grew I suppose mm. and yeah so in 2012 was when I feel like I realized that this isn't really ideal um but even then I don't really remember that much scrutiny about mm. what we were doing I think it still took at least another five years before there was major sc scrutiny and people were talking about the negative effects of fast fashion mm. yeah and I think wasn't around that time there was a document I swear there was a documentary on, on BBC about whether it was maybe it was that long ago um showcasing the, the island in the in the pacific with all the plastic and then they were yes. showing the factories of all of these yeah clothes and yeah so there was the true cost documentary and then also i remember stacy dooley did a documentary because I, I remember she had like these piles of like bottles of water and she was saying you know how many bottles of water do you think it takes to make a t-shirt and people were kind of like piling mm. up the, and then it, and then the answer was like 2500 like liters of water or something Whoa, like that. It's not, is it that yeah. much? Yeah, well, interesting. That's been debunked, oh, actually. Okay, okay. Um, that's a whole that's a whole other level of <laughs> sustainability and things that I work on now is debunking facts like that that yeah. aren't really true. Um, but yeah, I remember then there was starting to be growing. Yeah, there's this kind of growing consciousness that actually what happens to the clothes, who's making it? how many resources are we using and yeah around 2016 was when I moved back to the UK after living in Australia and that's when I was like right I don't want to do this fast fashion thing anymore yeah just it doesn't feel good at all yeah not at all not at all yeah so how did you branch into did were you like listening to people in the industry of they recognized that there was an issue but they had no way to understand how to become more conscious and of their consumption. Is that sort of where it led into? Yeah, so I think I think it started when I moved to Australia. So after ASOS in 2012, I moved to Australia and I lived there for four and a half years there or thereabouts. And I feel like living by the ocean and things like that, they were a little bit more conscious of things and I got really into secondhand shopping I was at oh I've always been into kind of vintage shopping and rummaging and things like that but I really like grew to love it again when I mm. when I got to Australia um there's lots of things that people just put their clothes outside their house and just 
have a little stall and just sell their old old clothes. It's like really common to just pass on your old stuff and have flea yeah. markets. And so I feel like when I was there was when I started to think a bit more about having not having so much stuff. And for me personally as well, I had had the biggest clear out when I moved because I couldn't take hardly anything with me. And I was disgusted by how much stuff I had. Right. Um, I think I had, I did clear outs. I was selling stuff on ASOS Marketplace. I was selling stuff on eBay. I was having friends over and saying, take what you want. I was um, taking stuff to charity. And still the last weekend before I moved, I took nine black sacks of clothing, really great clothing to charity. Wow. <laughs> it was insane because of working in the industry yeah, and all the free course. clothes you get and everything. And I just said to myself, I never want to be in this situation again. It just felt gross. Yeah. And then getting to Australia and having this, seeing this sort of slightly different way of life where people buy a lot of secondhand clothing and pass their clothing on. Um, I, I guess I got more conscious then. Mm. And then when I moved back in 2016, I just felt like, oh, I don't want to go back into that place where I have so much stuff. I'm constantly buying. Um and yeah, I started to think a little bit more about ways that I could be more sustainable in my life, um, kind of how I'd been in Australia, because Australia is just such a different way of life. You buy a lot of fresh food, you buy a lot of um, in-season food. You can't, if you try and buy food that's out of season, it's really expensive. I learned that the hard way when I bought some tomatoes in, I don't know, August, which is their winter, and they were like... Oh. <laughs> seven dollars a kilo or something I was like why is my shopping so expensive and it was because of the tomatoes um so I came back and I kind of wanted to live like that still um fewer kind of chemical cleaning products and all of that kind of stuff and then fashion wise I couldn't get into sustainable fashion because there weren't there just weren't that many jobs they're all tiny brands so I kind of did a few different jobs until I got made redundant three years later, 2019. And then that was when I was like, okay, well, if I can't find a job, I'm going to have to create a job. So I started my consultancy. And Amazing. yeah, here we are. <laughs> and so like that, I, I love how it built up its momentum for you. It's like it, it was this idea that's just grew and grew and grew. And then it's yeah. like burst into this, actually you can make a career out of being this passionate and helping other brands it's, it's such an um it's such a meaningful job really because I think that there's so many it, sometimes you think you know I, like I'm, I'm I'm an artist and a coach and sometimes I think oh god I, you know I wish I could be even more even better but there's yeah. always going to be some kind of way so I try really really hard not to have it um, yeah but having no knowledge like when you've got into this and the fact that it's fashion that's sort of like your primary expertise how you start becoming more conscious is it mm. must be because straight away I'm thinking if you're a fashion man you want to be more conscious your profit margins are impacted so much so that's sort of like first year of business that you're trying to get off the ground yeah you know that you're going into a business it's going to cost you more to run than any you know than another business that's in your maybe competing with you that must yeah. be you must work with very dedicated <laughs> business owners 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's really hard. It's um, and I do work with people sometimes who come to me and say, oh, I really want to start a sustainable fashion brand. Um, you know, I've seen a gap in the market for I don't know, whatever it might be, tracksuits. And I want to do the most sustainable version of a tracksuit. And quite often people say, oh, I want I want it to be affordable. And I said, OK, well, let's get into it. And then we start to get into it. And then they realize that there's a reason why there's a gap in the market for that. And that's because what we deem affordable is, you know, it, it's based on slave labor. It's based on, you know, child labor and exploitation. And to actually sell clothes for as cheaply as we're used to buying them, they're not made well and they're not made from great materials and to actually do it all the right way is it costs money so it's really difficult to have that you know that that's why there is there is still a gap for that kind of affordable um ethical brand um but as we know there's a true cost to everything you buy so i think it's trying to change the mindset of the consumer that when you buy something for, you know, buy a dress for £10, it costs you £10, but there was an impact on the planet and an impact on people, you know, in the supply chain. Um, But it's difficult because, I mean, even now, everything that we're going through, cost of living crisis, um, you know, people do need affordable options. um, But then at the same time, what we've noticed is a lot of the people that are spending all of this money on fast fashion aren't people who are buying it because it's all they can afford it's people who are just buying excess Mm. so that's kind of one of the messages I try and get across is about buying what you need and I actually try not to focus too much on price when I'm trying to say to people how can you change your habits Mm. um or even to focus on where you shop really because even though you know I might say that pretty little thing is the worst place (laughs) you know in terms of ethics you know if you buy something from there and you love it and keep it forever and you know or sell it on to your friend or swap it with a mate or whatever and it keep and it stays in circulation and you and you, you don't buy that much you just buy what you need then we'd be in a better position overall mm, yeah i was yeah. um i was working with one of my clients recently and um normally i i coach business owners and, but she's um, a life coach. I, I coach her life. I don't know what else you would say, actually. Yeah, I, suppose, <laughs> yeah. I coach her life. Um, yeah. But I'd give her like support about that. And one of the things was to, we realise, and I know you'll be listening, I won't name you. I'll just speak to her. <laughs> I know you'll be I won't name you. But she, we went through this process where her home was feeling so, um, it, it wasn't a nice place for her to, she didn't feel safe there. Or, well, she did feel safe, but she didn't feel like it was the best version of a home for her. Yeah. And she said, you know, I've got a lot of stuff. I've got a lot of stuff in these cupboards. And my, like, I I know that, you know, I can imagine what a lot of stuff is, but then I went round and she, I've never seen wardrobes as packed. And yeah. there were bags of clothes where she got them and hadn't sent them back because oh, they yeah. you know she's 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 not sent them back in time they're still in like you know they're still in their bags yeah and I and I was like there's a reason why you're doing this and I think that that's you know she was feeling a little bit lost in herself was trying to comfort herself with buying things because that that sense of like you get that euphoria don't you of like yeah oh, well, I'm gonna look sensational in that 
I can't wait to wear it. And that feeling is amazing. Then when it comes, it doesn't look like what it does on the model because it's not properly made or you can't see the clips that are holding that dress (laughs) in place behind to make it look right. Like I always use, like if I ever do buy anything from ASOS, I always look at the video or see how it moves because if that picture isn't like exactly somebody standing straight, I'm like, oh, that's not cut right. They're trying to hide that fact. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I was just like looking, you know, what is the reason for this? Think about how what is going to make you feel better having a wardrobe where you've got clothes, every single thing in there you love. You can't wait. Yeah. To, it, you're excited to wear every single element, and yeah. you can all you can see all of it. You can plan your outfits. She was like, yeah, that's what I want. Anyway, we she sold so much. She's made really? so much money from all these clothes. <laughs> Plus giving loads to charity. And this is the thing, like, I remember not sending some things. Like, when, when I used to be um, a teacher and I'd be like, oh, but that suit cost me so much money. But yeah. I couldn't sell it. So I was like, go and make someone else be free. Go to charity. Like, make Absolutely. someone else get a new job. But the how she, light she feels now because of the energy of not seeing all of that. Yeah. it's not. It wasn't really crap. Some of it was really good. But yeah, all of that. And yeah. it's just working out, like, why have you got that much stuff? Yeah. And I think that fast fashion has sort of made a market out of pe- of people using clothes to fix their self-esteem. And it doesn't work, does it? Yeah, it's like a, absolutely. It's a bit exploitative. In, is that how you say it? Exploit? Yeah. That, you know it's that Exploitative, word. yeah. yeah. <laughs> in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. They market to your insecurities 100%. It's all about, you know, basically you can be this person because they use influencer marketing, celebrity marketing. You can be this person if you buy this dress is what they're trying to sell you. And the dress isn't going to change who you are at all. Aside from it, maybe not looking the same on you. It's not going to change your personality. It's not going to suddenly fill your bank account. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to no. give you a promotion, any of those things that you want. It's not going to give you the status. Um, I definitely relate to having so much stuff around me and then feeling like I don't want to live like that anymore because, mm. and now I'm really conscious about the things that I bring into my home, even when it comes to art on the walls and things like that. that I've lived in this flat a year and I don't have that much art and it's because I just I'm really really conscious about choosing exactly what I want when I choose a plant it's like where is it going to go what do I you know and I feel really good about every decision I made and then my my house becomes a home really slowly and each piece I'm like when I sit at this table I think I love this table yeah because it took the time to to find the right table rather than just you know some people just buy things and then go on I'll replace it later but I just I'd rather just wait no Um, yeah yeah I love that yeah it's really hard to get out of the habit though when you're in the Mm. habit of just constantly buying things and impulse buying things but I try to share on my Instagram kind of tips um to help people when they're in that initial part of the journey um I'd say I'm so like I'm really evolved from where I was four or five years ago and Things like, um, I actually shop a lot online, but I put it all in Pinterest, so I don't actually buy anything. So I go shopping, I could spend, I could spend hours shopping oh, and wow. just putting it all in Pinterest. And so, and I've got like a home one, I've got a 
clothes one and it's like you get the I, I also add it to my basket I add, add things to my basket but I just don't check out so I'm getting that kind of dopamine here of like oh I love this I love this I love this and adding it to my basket and then I also save it to my Pinterest so that if it falls out of my basket I've still got it yeah and then and then I kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I've made a massive list. I've got all these things in my basket. Right. Let me um, work out exactly what I'm going to buy. And then I'll come back tomorrow. And then I don't. I just yeah. forget. Yeah. And, and that's, then, I always, yeah. that's my, like my <laughs> test. If I can't yeah. stop thinking about it. Yeah. And I buy it. Like I'm in the process. My husband wants to buy me some Doc Martens for my birthday because I haven't got a pair of boots at the moment. And, and yeah. this way, I literally wear boots every day until my feet start sweating and um he was like I really think let's buy you a pair of Doc Martens because they're gonna last you a decade never you won't need to but it's that like yeah I can't actually I I must think about these pair of Doc Martens like yeah once an hour every hour I still haven't (laughs) bought them though they're still sitting in the basket it's funny that will yeah, it's funny that you say that because I'm looking for a pair of Doc Martens as well. And um, <laughs> do you know what? I've got a pair of Doc Martens. It's driving me crazy. I had a pair of Doc Martens and I feel like they've been lost in a house move or like probably one of my parents' house moves. Oh. I think that they were in my parents' garage for a while because they were muddy or something. And then I don't know what's happened to them. And, oh. and, and the reason why I won't buy them, and I've been thinking about this for like, at least a year it's because wow. I, in, in my in my head I keep thinking maybe they'll turn up at my mum and dad's or maybe I could just go and have a big search and I'll just find them yeah. <laughs> so that's what's putting me off um but actually I did decide this week do you know what I'm just going to buy them and I, I actually do you know what I'm going to message my parents today and just say can you just 100% check you haven't got them yeah and no, then I'm... if not yeah um, there is something this is the history of Doc Martens though it's like you're but that's the thing you're investing in a brand that is very sustainable they are conscious about sustainability oh they're brilliant yeah and they make things that you are you're you like you buy one pair of boots they're not after this is really good for any business and I'm sure you talk about this it's like yeah have your prices where you you know we just want you to buy once I've got um, my godfather's wife has about 10 15 pairs because she's obsessed because she's addicted to them now but she right. literally she tells me all of the different um names and what how they're oh, yeah. made like she is obsessed but they're beautifully made shoes and then you put your foot in one and I tried some on the other weekend I was like I've never felt my foot this is amazing but yeah being that kind of um like when you're thinking about your ideal customer and mm. it's going back to when you were talking about art another one of my clients is doing a launch soon and she's trying to move into that upper price bracket of I'm create I am an artist yeah. I don't want to make things for a fiver like fiver Fridays and tenor Tuesdays in the handmade product world do my head in absolutely do my head in and yeah. it's like fast fashion have done the same they've broken the formula and the culture of how you see products because yeah I make my everything from hand with my bare hands and I make that that deserves the worth because when you buy it it's going to last you forever you invest in it that's brilliant so that my clients I'm trying to get her into that upper price bracket and she moves away but it's changing the whole culture of how you see what you buy isn't it yeah and the pricing of it yeah yeah it's all about value and it's interesting actually because I feel like this cheap fashion 
people often say like, oh, you know, people have less money to spend these days and that's why cheap fashion has come about. But actually what used to happen when I was younger and, you know, my family didn't always have loads of money, things like uniform resales at school, you know, every every year group would bring their uniform and you'd also pass it down to the next year group, mm, basically. Yeah. Um, making clothes, of course, yeah. having one dress for all of your weddings or all of your best, you know, best dress. My mum would make me a dress that I would wear to every party that I went to. Yeah, there was none of this kind of like wearing something different every time you go somewhere. And it, it takes ages to get out of that culture. Um, I actually started a, a hashtag on Instagram about a couple of years ago called Grid, grid Repeater because it was about wearing the same thing on the grid, on the Instagram grid, um, because that's part of it as well. It's not I being one that. to be seen on social media. People don't want to be seen wearing the same thing on social media because of influencer culture. And so the idea that actually you can wear the same thing on the grid over and over again, and I consciously wear the same, like post photos of myself wearing the same things on my grid to be like, you've seen this before because I wear it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and posting, yeah, yeah. you know, a carousel of photos of me wearing the same thing. And occasionally I get bored. I must say at the moment, I'm a little bit bored of my wardrobe and I've also grown out of a few things. So I feel like I don't have as many choices, but it's but then you then you can make a conscious decision to say do you know what I wear this dress to death and so maybe I do need a second option for this kind of occasion mm, mm. it's a super conscious choice yeah but and um, it's finding that choice like you say taking your time like there was I think my pivotal thing about outfits not that I really go out that much anymore but when um I think it was back in April, I remember that I we were going out for our friend's birthday and I've got this one bright green dress. It's got like red on it. It's a wrap dress. It's like a plissé material. It's like, I think that's how you say it. No, it's not yeah. plissé. <laughs> you know that? Like, yeah, please say that. Yeah. That's it. So I, I love it. I love this dress and I've worn it so many times. Like I actually like literally have worn it so many times and I went to go and put it on and I thought, but I've worn it so many times. Yeah. Maybe I should wear something else. And then in my head was like, who are you wearing something else for? Are you wearing exactly. something else for, for your your friends that have seen this dress and they love you? They're not going to love you any less because you've got the same dress on. Yeah. Or are you wearing it, you know, like wear it for me because there's no other dress that makes me feel like that. Exactly. I'm going to wear that dress, even though I do need to repair it. I'm still going to wear it and I'm going to repair yeah. it and I'm going to keep wearing it. Yeah. But there was like a switch, like, who are you wearing the dress for? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I've noticed that I, I wear the same things all the time, but I feel really good. You know, yeah. I don't often go out the house feeling like, oh, I'm not sure about this outfit because I'm, I'm so secure in that. I know that I feel good in this outfit because I've worn it so many times yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and just changing things up, wearing things different ways. Um, I did a speaking thing at a sustainability summit a couple of weeks ago and I wore my jumpsuit that I wear to everything with big chunky boots. And then I wore the same jumpsuit about four days later to a wedding with silver heels and a clutch bag and drop earrings. And I really loved that night, actually, because I remember just thinking I would have bought something new for this normally. It's a wedding. And I felt really pleased with myself that 
I hadn't bought something new but I also really loved my outfit because I just love that jumpsuit so much yeah. and feel so yeah. comfortable in it and that's the thing because then you feel more confident when you feel comfy like yeah. it's just, I suppose with shoes it's like you want to you I would wear the same pair of heels out because they're really yeah. comfy why do we not always feel like the same way about a dress because yeah. heels or you know a top or jeans or you know exactly it's yeah it's strange and I've found that the, the wardrobe mistakes that I make are things where I try and buy something because I just need something new and I want that dopamine here or I want to look like someone else I've seen someone wearing it and then usually they're the things that I wear once or twice and then I'm like this isn't actually my style it doesn't really yeah. suit me it's not and they're the things that just languish in your wardrobe and then every now and again you wear it because you feel like you should and then you don't feel great in it um so I actually love repeating things and one thing I've noticed actually is that no one notices that you're wearing the same thing <laughs> the same people compliment me on the same thing oh that's your jumpsuit that's nice is that new and I'm like I wear it every time like I, I wear it every time it's amazing it's amazing it's like it's almost like a little it feels like a little like trick yeah 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 <laughs> like I'm wearing the same thing and nobody's noticed yeah no um, I don't know I love that that's what yeah. I, I try and like I've really minimized my wardrobe but I put it in like rainbow color I do oh, wear nice. like I've noticed without even realizing I literally wear animal print every single day oh wow. but it's like a I now have like rainbow of animal print it's not all just yeah like leopard. oh amazing but yeah. open opening my wardrobe but that the way that I've done that is through vintage so oh, I will come up wow. with something so not that long ago I was like I really love I really love like a it sounds awful as I say it though like a purple leopard shirt so I've got a purple leopard okay. dress I know it okay, does yeah. sound like I love <laughs> <laughs> and then so I thought oh let's just see and I, that's what I love about vintage I will just go purple leopard shirt oh there's one there for a yeah. fiver brilliant I'm having that and I love the fact that like I really love Topshop and um Obviously, Topshop's probably not that sustainable, but I love buying secondhand Topshop because, yeah. you know, I could get so many shirts and blouses for, like, work and whatever for, like, yeah. two quid sometimes, two pounds, and it's perfect. Old, old Topshop was really good, Um, you know, before, again, they're another, they're another company that, I mean, I could go on about Topshop for hours, but they yeah, are I'm, another I'm, company that I just feel like lost their way because yeah. when ASOS came along and Boohoo came along and people like that, they tried to follow on price and actually they forgot that their their core customer wants fashion and what used to, fashion editors used to shop in Topshop because their stuff you could mix in with designer and it looked cool and yeah. you know it it wasn't badly made. Um, and then they started to cut costs and corners and it started to get more badly made and the fashion wasn't really there. And I don't know if you've seen the documentary, The Trouble at Topshop, but I watched that and I just felt really sad because it was just all going so well. And then it just went downhill. Yeah, no, but, I um, but I'm going to watch that. Yeah, definitely watch it. It's, it's, it's actually really good because I think it... Um, it sort of like hits the nail on the head of where we went wrong on the high street in the UK mm. because everything that happened with Topshop I feel like is what happened across the board is we just went out after price and we stopped going after fashion and thinking about clothes as value and making us feel good and um, the people at the top of Topshop when it was in its heyday were all women and I must say it was Philip Green came in and kind of 
started to think talk about price and started to interfere in you know what women want and these women who these amazing women who are at the helm knew what women wanted mm. and then it's like a businessman comes in and says yeah but what about the money how much does it cost how much does it cost and kind of beat the kind of like that kind of fashion and creativity out of them and one by one they all left and yeah Topshop ended up not working out <laughs> no didn't ASOS buy them <laughs> ASOS did buy yeah. well ASOS buy bought them the online kind of yeah. business yeah bought the name um which is absolutely crazy because when I worked at ASOS in tw- uh, 2007 the one thing we wanted was to get Topshop on the website from 2007 to 2012 when I worked there we would have dreamed of having Topshop on the website and there was absolutely no way they were ever going to sell to us because we were such a big competitor and we were the underdog and they they were like haha never gonna happen and then look what crazy. happened it's actually crazy isn't it i yeah it's just How i have a lot of um, oh god yeah yeah i have a lot of nostalgia for that time because um karen downey who's in the documentary she was from top shop and she came to asos and she really injected that kind of spirit of be creative with fashion it's about making women look good and you know I want to see beautiful prints. I want them to, you know, love it. I want them to come to us because they're seeing something they've not seen anywhere else. And that really made me like understand the joy of fashion. And the same thing happened at ASOS though, you know, the kind of businessmen at the top kind of came in and went, mm, price mm. though, how much does it cost though? You know, and yeah the rest is history really. And that's the thing as well, you know, and I'm sure with some of your clients, you just like, just you've got to still price your worth like really see your value because what you're selling is a piece of clothing but you're not selling the piece of clothing you're selling the feeling associated and that's where they miss it you're selling the feeling that that gives them or the confidence of maybe they're going to wear it on their first date and they're going to make the love of their life or yeah. they're going to go they're going to wear it to a job interview they're really scared about but that piece of clothing is going to give them that feeling of confidence and empowerment that's what you sell as a brand as a yeah. clothing brand not the yeah. actual clothes and yeah the more value there and the feeling of it another um another one of my clients makes um, she's actually she's in Australia and she hand crochets all of these beautiful baby clothes and toddler clothes from natural fibers and she realized why she does it is because she recognizes that when a child feels safe and comfortable in their clothing they learn better because yeah. they're more you know because clothing can make you feel safe and comfy it's like we were saying like you yeah. feel more confident when you wear something comfortable because you probably feel safe, don't you? Yeah, so she absolutely. was she was like, Oh my god, I've nailed it. I know why I'm doing this. And I was like, Yeah. 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 It's that kind of element of recognizing the what you said outside of that. And that's where these brands just went because it's not yeah they just saw it as the garment didn't they and then, yeah. Or know. or even the other way around, they see it as selling the dream, but the garment it's terrible <laughs> the actual garment is terrible so they you know they dress it up on a shoe it looks amazing on a shoe and then when you get it it's like this slither of fabric that's not doing anything for you yeah. so it's yeah it's it's yeah it's one or the other or they're trying to fill a box they're like oh we need 10 dresses here 10 dresses they're not thinking about where are you going in these dresses how do you want to feel in these dresses 
Um, we always talk about in fashion, where have all the pockets gone? Why do women's clothes have no pockets? <laughs> yeah. And honestly, from working in fast fashion, I'll tell you the pockets have gone because of cost. Um, first thing to take out is the pockets. The first sample of anything I've ever sampled always has pockets. You know, designers will always put the pockets in there. We love a big swishy dress with a pocket and, you know, one hand in a pocket photo yeah. moment. And then as a buyer, when you get the cost price and you go, oh, my margin's not that great, start taking things off. So then that's when you start going, mm, can we reduce this? Can we reduce the sleeve length? Can we can we make this a bit slimmer? Can we, you know, even the ties, if you put a tie around the waist, oh, can we make that short? It doesn't need to be that long. Take the pockets out. Number one, wow. take the pockets out. It's, it's a I can't thing. believe that because, like, when I got married, I searched high and low for a wedding dress with pockets, and that's why I yes. bought my wedding dress. I was literally, yeah. like, looking back now, it probably wasn't the most flattering one I had on, but I had pockets because I had my lipstick in one, <laughs> I had tissues yeah, in yeah. the other. Yeah, yeah. And it was brilliant, but I searched for that, and actually, I must go on about it quite a lot because some of my followers, whenever there's, like, a meme about pockets, they send it to me. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love a pocket. But... I would pay extra money for to have the pockets, but for the pockets, yeah, I love I them. Know. Silly, yeah, it's normally, um, yeah, despecking is one of the things I used to have to do as a buyer that I hated. Was like go into the fit session, put the garment on, go, yeah, this is beautiful, love it as it is, but it's too expensive. So what can we do? So then it was like looking at it and going, okay, well, it doesn't need that, or it doesn't need that, or we, you know, we could do. What about these buttons? How much of the buttons can we get cheaper buttons? Wow. You know, you'd get these beautiful tortoise shell buttons on the first sample. And then by the end, it's a shadow of its former self. Um, it's so sad because I yeah, really, really think sad. that like that is fashion. Fashion is basically you dressing yourself in art, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Should be. And and actually, I remember as a buyer in fast fashion, I used to get to take samples home all the time. And I'd, I'd take home the first sample because it'd be beautiful. The one that I wouldn't be interested in the thing that had finally gone gone to production wow. because all the nice things, had, you know, the metal zip has got, is now a plastic zip, all of those things. It's wow. really sad. I'm so glad I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I bet. Guys, it's so interesting now. I could talk to you mm. about I, I love all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> yeah. When I... Um, when I was doing my research I read about your blog about this pledge that you made about being more conscious um I'd love and and the point of the blog is that being this conscious takes a lot of extra time and I think that that's where some people I mean I always say like if this is the only thing you need to worry about you've got a really good life like I always say that if you've only got to worry about recycling and sustainability but that is why if that's the only thing you need to worry about we need to do it for everybody else and yeah like embody it as much as we can even if it does take us a little bit more time but is there stuff to like edging if somebody's listening to this and thinking you know what I I do really want to be either a more sustainable business but even on a it's probably got to start with the individual yeah how can they become more conscious in a fashion way um so I I always say just start small it's small small changes my first thing I did was um buy less that was my number one thing so just don't buy as much as you usually do and try and use those tips like putting things in a wish list putting things in Pinterest 
um, to get that so that you can kind of let the dopamine wear off and the feeling of impulse wear off and then see if you still love it a, a day later, a week later. Um, also, I used to, when I first was still in that kind of like impulse buying thing, anything I bought, I would leave it by the front door in the bag and I would leave it there until I actually wore it somewhere. Oh. So even if I put it on and then went, oh, I'm not going to wear it today, I'd put it back in the bag and put it by the front door. And then you just keep walking past it. And then eventually you're like, I'm never going to wear this, am I? And then you, one day you just pick it up as you're walking out the door and take it back. Wow, um, that's a really good tip. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's it's kind of catching yourself in that impulse mm. moment. So at first it's like, OK, I'm still going to buy it. So trying to think okay I'll take it back then it's trying to catch yourself and say okay I'm not going to buy it this time um going back into your wardrobe is so important just make like doing a clear out like you say you've got yours in rainbow order whatever mm. feels right for you so you can see everything I personally don't put wind clothes away and no, summer I clothes don't. away really because I like to see everything like things go to the back and things come to the front but I think if I can't fit it in my wardrobe then I probably shouldn't own it yeah. <laughs> because I'm never gonna wear it absolutely and also I wear I think wear things all year round I just wear tops or tights with like Same. I say to my, my client who I saw in yeah. the wardrobe she was like that's a summer dress and I was like why is it just summer why wear is it a top underneath yeah. wear a big cardigan and put tights on yeah but, it's a dress for all year. Yeah, there's very little stuff that you can't wear all year. Obviously, knitwear in summer yeah. and, you know, shorts in winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I try and at least have it visible or it has a spot in my wardrobe kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, so buying less. I mean, everyone's got time to buy less because that's going to free up some time. <laughs> yeah. um, and then when you do buy, you know, think about buying something that's slightly better. So whether that's a cleaning product, whether that's um, clothing, um, just try and do like a swap. Um, for me, I kind of started to think about not buying so much from fast fashion brands, um, you know, Pretty Little Thing, Boohoo, went out a long time ago. Zara actually was a really hard one to get rid of. But now when I go into Zara, it's like, feels like a foreign country because I, ah. I've, it's weird. I used to, I, I remember for years, I just couldn't get rid of Zara because it was just, such, it was just such a habit of going in there. Um, and you can find some great pieces in there as well. But then I don't know. I just suddenly, I think I started to really think about who was making the clothes. And then once I got to that point, I managed to phase Zara out um and like one of the things is so I suppose when you get to that point it's kind of like slowly phase out some of the the not as good places and start to focus on quality rather than quantity yeah um and then and then the kind of next phase I suppose is to start to think secondhand rather than new but again that's a time-consuming thing um but I use things like eBay alerts um to find things so that you know I always use this example of my organic cotton white jeans that I've been looking for for like three years I've got an alert oh, on wow. <laughs> and every time a size 28 organic cotton white jean goes on eBay I get an alert and so, <laughs> so cool. I didn't even know yeah. that, that you could do that yeah it's amazing you can do it on Vinted as well I think um wow. you can save your search and then it will it will prompt you when something goes online um so then that's like a time saving thing because then what will happen is I'll go into shops and I'll be like oh look at these white jeans love these white jeans and then I'll just go on eBay 
search for it, might not find it, and then I set up an alert, and then it means that when things come in, then you, you know, you see it straight away, rather than actively searching, the stuff's finding you. Magic. <laughs> that is magic. That's literally changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I love that so much. It's amazing. And then charity shopping, actually, um, I always say go little and often. So don't go charity shopping thinking I need something for a, a wedding. Mm. Just I go to charity shops when I do my food shop. There's a really amazing charity shop next to Sainsbury's where I live so I tend to pop in there most times when I go to Sainsbury's pop in have a quick look around don't spend more than like 20 minutes and then and then yeah and then the more you go the more you're like oh I've seen all this before and you spot the new stuff and that's a, a better way of of doing it than trying to shop for something, you yeah. know, because then that's when you get disappointed and then you end up going, oh, there's nothing here, I'm going to Zara. But yeah. if you're constantly thinking ahead and just making it part of your way of life, I suppose, um, rather than, yeah, rather than a, like, a, I, I must go today. Um, but yeah, little little changes really. Like I I used to use a, re, a re, I used to refill my laundry liquid. Um, just my laundry liquid nothing else and then I started being like well I'm in the refill shop I may as well refill my washing up liquid you know and then and then you just start to make little changes but yeah I think it's it's small things rather than perfection and my number one thing is just buy less than you're buying now most people are buying too much and owning too much so buy less that doesn't take any time try and buy something slightly better that's going to last longer um I also think about resale value that's another another reason why I stopped shopping in places like H&M and Zara is because I realized that if I didn't wear it or I you know grew out of it or didn't like it anymore I couldn't get any money back for it so it was like a false economy <laughs> yeah. because now I'm stuck with it <laughs> so if you if you actually try and buy something a bit better you you can get really good um return on your investment I guess yeah. <laughs> if you think of it as an inv- think of it as an investment um so yeah that was another reason for me to kind of buy better apart from the you know and I think once you start to make these conscious choices what happens is like the less that I go into shops like Zara or H&M the more that when I do go in there because sometimes I have to go in there for work I'm kind of notice the difference in quality Mm. I notice things that I wouldn't normally notice um so you become a bit more you become a bit more of a discerning shopper um yeah and yeah same with even things like um I've just changed my plastic sponges in my house to natural ones yeah and I've just realized that what I I'm like this lasts so much longer than the plastic one yeah <laughs> why haven't I done this all this, the whole time I know but it's just because there's so many more and that's the thing well it's like options because yeah is it there didn't used to be any other options and as you were just talking yeah. I was thinking like our local um big shopping center is Blue Water. How amazing if there were actual charity shops in big shopping centres like that. Yes. Like you, there's in our local um, shopping centre like that we go to, there is a, a couple of charity shops yeah. and I'll go in there because, well, I'm in and around, I'm having a coffee, I'm working up there or whatever, so I'll walk in. But it's like these big shopping centres that obviously have got designer lanes, you've got 
in blue water you've got like the triangle and one yes. is really is, is like the cheaper one and then you've got the middle and then you've got the designer one what if there was charity shops just sat bang in the middle of the you know next Absolutely. to you know coast or wherever I mean coast is obviously not well, well I can't even you know I haven't been to blue water for so long this is the thing like I just don't <laughs> go shopping for stuff because yeah same you know but having charity shops like how many charity shops are there on Oxford Street, for example? Yeah, well, that's the thing. In those kind of big shopping areas, they're, they're not there. They're not there. They're usually in kind of smaller high sh- Like I live in Crystal Palace and we've got great charity shops around here. Um, Streatham is really, really good mm. for charity sh- Amazing for charity shops, in fact. Places like Wimbledon, really good for charity shops. If you go to like more affluent areas like that as well, you get really good stuff. Yes. <laughs> when I was at uni, going to Richmond and going yeah. to the charity shops, yeah. it's like, yeah. Or Chiswick, you're like, yeah, I'm all yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, oh, no, I, that's, yeah. I, I honestly, I could talk about this all day. Like, mm. I really could, because I think it's I mean we intend before we started recording I was like we really want to talk about like business sustainability but yeah like I said it's it's got to sort of start from you and be consciously aware yeah and I don't think that there is a lot out there that people are talking about but it is just really on it needs to be sort of really front focus sort of we have to think yeah. about this all the time um because we can if you've got time to listen to this podcast episode then yeah. you've got time to consider how what you're consuming. So I really yeah, like that. But absolutely. I'm going to start using your grid repeater. Hashtag. Oh yes, use it. Do you know oh, what I need I'm to talk about it again on Instagram? Because it's like I had the idea and I was like, this is a really good idea. And then people used it and then I haven't talked about it for a while. So yeah, I need no, to I'm gonna start because I think as well, like I suppose it's the same for you. Like when you're what one business of mine is wire art so that's fine I can photograph all of that the other one is my brain in the Vivi club so and the podcast but having my like myself I don't want to be one of those people oh she's in a different like every grid photo so I'm going to make sure I'm going to make a point of look I'm wearing the same thing again it's good brilliant yeah Yeah, well yeah the other thing I should mention actually is um if you don't if you're not a rummager like you're not a vintage shop rummager or a charity shop rummager there are so many more curated pre-loved clothing websites now Mm. so there's like um manifesto woman is one of them the co-edit is one of them um who else um oh Oh, my mind's gone blank yeah, Threads by Jade, she's on Instagram, Curate and Rotate, so many. And they are, they're people who basically go and rummage for you. So they essentially, they're getting set with, oh, one scoop store is another one. They're finding all of these um, wow. kind of like pieces that you would expect to see in a normal high street store like they've got like a mindset of you know what do people want at the moment and you know they curate the, the store so that when you go online it's like shopping from a normal store I love but it's that. actually everything's pre-loved oh. it's so cool okay they are clever people well yeah, so it's... yeah you're well clever oh. and just, <laughs> this is, I honestly really enjoyed this it's amazing I'm like looking at the time thinking oh god I'm <laughs> really really cool um and I just know how many people are going to really enjoy this because oh good it's just talking about like we are of that generation where clothes are 
well of any generation I suppose but we are in that sort of moving out of fast fashion so I can't just think about kids at school now like they're not thinking about fast fashion they're thinking about sustainability already like it's already ingrained in them so they don't have to do the shift but our generation are the ones that have really got to push that change and talking about it and making it a topic you know with our friends to sort of like do you know what I'm not buying a new outfit this week you know I I feel really good and it being socially acceptable to wear the same thing over and over again because Mm. I think like it's like a hierarchy isn't it because it shows affluence if you are got a new outfit all the time yeah but but then but then actually you know this is a funny story my mum met Mary Berry the other day oh wow I think it it was at a wedding and um for whatever reason I googled Mary Berry after she said oh look and sent a picture of her and I googled her and the picture that came up was Mary Berry receiving I think it was an MBE um in this outfit that she's wearing standing next to my mum in the picture from that day and I was like see <laughs> See outfit repeater. I love this. Love that yeah. is Mary Berry, you absolute legend. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so on um my on these episodes at the end, I always like to ask the guests, and right now I sometimes mess this up because it's in one mouthful. Okay. <laughs> what do you wish you'd known 10 years ago that you know now? I did it. <laughs> it's such a hard question. I really yeah. thought about this because. 10 years ago, I was in, I was in Australia, I'd been there six months, and I was just about to quit my job. And because I was like, this job does not suit me. I love Australia, but I do not like this job. And I knew it was a risk because to stay in Australia, I needed to find another job that would sponsor me. Um, But I did in the end, and it all worked out. I think I was a bit stressed about it but I actually like when I look back and I thought what was I doing 10 years ago I I feel like I was almost more kind of um adventurous and not afraid of things that you know might seem scary to other people like quitting my job living in a living abroad and being like okay I've got six months to find something else yeah um so if anything I'm like my 10 years ago self needs to tell me now that things work out and you can take risks so I feel like <laughs> my I love my that self, yeah I feel like myself now I've taken lots of risks in the past with my business and things like that and um over the last few years things have been really up and down with my business and I've gone into this space where I'm like a bit like oh you know things are quite scary and should I take the safe route and you know what should I do next and I've kind of got in my head a bit about um putting myself out there and so when I reflect on 10 years ago, I'm like, you quit that job that didn't serve you. You lived in another country, you didn't know if you were going to be able to stay and you had six months to work it out and you did it. So I actually think my 10 years ago self needs to give me some advice. It sounds, yeah, go on. What would Natalie Beans do? She so, could get yeah. herself out there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. Like back then I was just like, I don't like this job, but I love this country. I'm sure I'll find a way and there's a better way than staying in this job I hate so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wing it and see what happens I love and that. uh yeah I think I had six months to leave and I think I got a job at about five months I think my sponsorship came through about a week before I was like technically 
was going to have to leave the country. Although by that point, I'd dug my heels in and what I was going to do is go to New Zealand for a week and then come back in on a new visa. (laughs) By that point, point, I was like, I'm not leaving. I'll buy myself another three months. I'll find a way. (laughs) I love that. Oh, that's good. Um, Do you know, no one's ever said that about what they use. It's it's funny how, like, you think back to yourself. Usually it's the other way. So yeah that was good process for you then (laughs) yeah it really was actually yeah and actually I didn't actually plan to give that as an answer I kind of was thinking about it and I was like no actually the answer is that I was (laughs) I was in a in a really good mindset then so I need a bit more of that now Oh, I love it. Thank you. Honestly, Natalie, thank you so much. I've really, no really loved this episode. Me too. Um, and if you've stayed with it, because I was saying before, when you come on the podcast, I always say to the guests, like, oh, the episodes are normally about 45 minutes. And every single time I actually say 45 minutes, I need to say half an hour because I always yeah. like, go over. But this was a quality one. And oh, I really, really loved it. <laughs> thank you so much, Natalie. No Where worries. can people find you? Oh, you can find me on Instagram. It's at Natalie underscore bins and um, also LinkedIn. If you're into sustainability and sustainable business, then I'm always on there kind of talking about that and ranting about brands that are greenwashing and not doing the right thing. So if that's your thing, then that you can you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Natalie. No Thank you. See Thank you later. You. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the No Rest for the Vivid podcast, written, produced and hosted by Claire Hill and music has been composed by my brother, Bill Vinton.